0: Welcome to episode 14 of The Brand Lounge, where every Thursday we feature insightful brand stories to showcase the hundreds of ways that businesses are started, the ups and downs of being an entrepreneur, and to inspire you to build your business your way. I'm Tammy Heels, your host and founder of Shadowcat Creative, where I'm a personal brand coach and designer. And today I'm joined by the fantastic Katie Ramsing, a fashion copywriter who helps brands turn their words into sales. Welcome Katie. Hello, thank you for having me. Oh thank you so much for joining me today. So if you caught the last episode, Katie and I talked about being transparent with your pricing. If you haven't had a chance to listen, be sure to line that one up on your playlist. And today Katie is going to be sharing her business journey and brand story with us. So Katie, I'd love to start with the story behind your business. What inspired you to start on your own?
1: Um, My story is maybe not the most inspirational. I know lots of people are like, what's your why for your business? And they're like, I saw a gap in the market for women that wanted to be empowered. But um, I'd love to say that my story was that inspirational, but it's not. Basically, I was working in a fashion tech startup in Shoreditch during a nine to five. and I was just kind of a bit tired, really, of office life. I took a break and... I decided to go to the rainforest of Borneo and work in orangutan conservation for a bit. Wow. (laughs) I I just wanted a complete change from office life. So I did that for a while. And um, from then, I just kept traveling and traveling and I ended up in LA of all places. And I saw lots of people in cafes and they were on their computers like at 2 p.m. in the middle of the day, like having coffee and working. And I was like, what are all these people doing? So I decided to look into it and basically they were digital nomads, people that had jobs like copywriters, brand designers, graphic designers, and they were working remotely from all over the world. So I thought that that was amazing and I took my copywriting skills from my nine to five job and I decided to start out on my own.
0: I think that that's incredible. I find it incredible that you say that that's not inspirational as well because traveling (laughs) the world to find that the digital nomad life is the one that was really appealing to you and not having that kind of awareness of it before you started I think that that's incredible
1: it's also a little bit of like I say it's not inspirational because it's also like a bit of my own laziness and like wanting the best easiest life possible like how can I be by the
0: beach but also be making money (laughs) I think that that's fine though I think that we all have those dreams that we aspire to do where we can work less but earn more and do Definitely. what we want and live our lives. So the fact that you kind of embraced that and did it in such a fantastic way, you know, I I traveled from Somerset to Hampshire, like you've <laughs> gone to like the jungles of Borneo. <laughs> um, I just think that that's amazing. So um, when it came to actually setting up your business, I mean, you had the skill set that you were looking at transferring from your full-time job or your previous role to your own business. Was there a reason that you decided to go as a business rather than freelance? Do you class yourself as being, did you at any stage class yourself as a freelancer rather than a business? Yep. Yeah, so I have
1: to clarify, when I first started, I, I didn't even really know that you could be a copywriting business per se. I just thought that you would basically be a freelancer and that most of these digital nomads were just freelancing for different companies so that's what I did first of all um I kind of I've worked for a few agencies, and then would be contacted by recruiters in the UK and say, "Like, I can do remote work for other brands." But it was last November, actually, that I kind of got introduced to like the whole online world of female entrepreneurs and people having their own businesses. And I realised that, like, oh no, there are graphic designers that have their own brand and that they're entirely their own business. And then I was like, I'm just gonna take the plunge and maybe be my own business. (laughs)
0: Awesome. What was it that appealed to you to go down that or brand kind of route instead of being a freelancer for other businesses?
1: Um, well, obviously, one of the ones is that you can't set your own rates necessarily when you're a freelancer. A recruiter will normally come to you and be like, This is the role for the body shop, for example. This is how much they're willing to pay per day. Do you want to do it? Um, so I kind of like the idea of being able to set my own rates and also being able to choose my own clients. You can kind of only yeah, do the work for what the agency or the recruiters give you. But if I set up my own business, I figured I could start to attract the clients that I really wanted and get rid of the ones that were maybe a bit of a pain in the bum.
0: Yeah, no, fair enough. I think that we all want to work (laughs) with the clients that we want to work with. So was it at that stage that you decided you want to move more into focusing on fashion and female entrepreneurs or did that kind of come later or before?
1: So fashion's always been my passion, shall we say. Um, but no, I, I interned at fashion companies all through university and I only worked in like fashion journalism or fashion tech when I was doing copywriting and writing. So it's always been my niche. Um, when I was working with recruiters, I'd also do a lot of beauty work. So that was fun. But then I would occasionally get things like home and lifestyle that weren't really my niche, but kind of had to do to pay the bills. Mm-hmm. So going into my own business, I just kind of wanted to really focus on fashion
0: even more than I had before. That's brilliant. I love hearing that. It's, I think that embracing your niche, and in particularly if it's one that you do have that driving passion for, um, and that there's the availability to hit the job market, it's like the holy trifle sir, that you've got the three <laughs> three. <laughs> I love not the holy trinity, the holy trifle, like the holy an Tri- excellent Tri- dessert. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so when it came to actually taking that step from your employed life to your self-employed life, Um, I know that it's one of the things that, particularly when I'm talking with new businesses, they're always like, but how did you do it? How did you take that step? How did you make that decision? So what kind of did that look like for you when you made that choice to go from full-time to self-employed?
1: A lot of people ask me this. They DM me this and they're like, oh, I want to become a copywriter. What should I do? And I always say, just do not do what I do. (laughs) I literally went travelling Wait for my money to get really low, had no savings, didn't have a plan, and then just started contacting recruiters being like, Hello, I'm interested in freelance work. And I like updated my LinkedIn and stuff. That is definitely not what I would recommend you do. If you're moving from employed to self employed, I would definitely, definitely have savings, at least a couple months savings ready. I would brush up on all of like the tax rules my dad is an accountant, but I still had absolutely no clue what I was doing. And I figured like, I'd work that out further down the line. Please do not do that. Um, yeah, just do everything that I didn't do
0: basically. So I did pretty much what you did without the traveling. So I would also echo your sentiments of having a bit of a buffer is always good um and likewise my mum's an accountant and I still didn't have a clue when it came to tax admittedly she's more of a bigger business accountant but um yeah I think it's just kind of take that step but be aware of the of the kind of consequences if you're not going to put those steps in place and if you're not making yourself aware because it is harder to catch up later
1: definitely and I think once you've made the decision in your mind like I'm going to be self-employed, I'm going to wake up when I want to wake up, like you can't really be stopped, and you can't really be told, like maybe just wait a couple more months, and like plan for this, I was like, nope, I need to do it now, like I'm going to the rainforest, and I was like, right, okay, well, I'll just contact recruiters, it'll work out, and it did work out, but I could have done it in a much less stressful way if I planned.
0: Cool, no, always helpful, it's always interesting to see how, to see and to hear how others have done it, because I know that you're never going to be ready they always they the magical day always say that you're never going to be ready but I think that you can be prepared at least to a certain extent to give yourself kind of that like you said to minimize the stress it's not about taking the leap it's about minimizing the stress and the impact of doing it definitely so are there any kind of key hardships or successes that you feel you've experienced along the way that have contributed to how you've shaped your business now? I would say
1: definitely when I first became self employed, I was kind of winging it as we've clearly established for a lot of the beginning. And I took on clients that I would no way take on now. I took on clients without contracts. I took on clients and we set no boundaries about my working hours. So they would contact me on the weekends, on public holidays. One of them actually contacted me on holiday when I was on holiday. and so now, obviously, there are very strict contracts and guidelines, and I have a very strict structure in place. Um, yeah, I kind of had quite a big burnout. Maybe at the end of last year, And I was kind of like, right, it's time to reassess now. And um, I also yeah, started to get a business coach, which really helped.
0: Yeah, I think business coaches can be pivotal when it came to realising that you needed to have those contracts and those boundaries in place. Was that something that you implemented immediately? Was that something that you kind of gradually came aware of and addressed as you went along? Or was that something that you actively sat down and you're like, right, okay, I need to get this kind of client experience, this customer journey nailed so that it works for me as well?
1: I can't lie no I did not do it right away I knew that I needed to do contracts and it was like one of those things that's like on the to-do list but you're always paying it off because it's really boring you don't really understand it so I was like let me just get a business coach and let me just get someone to explain it to me in really simple terms Mm -hmm. and then she explained what I needed and then I just paid someone to make contracts for me like I know you can do a lot of copy and pasting online and you can work it out but I was like this is something that I'm just going to outsource because it's going to save
0: me stress and save me time in the long run. Yeah. Perfect. And um, what about successes? Is there anything that's happened along the way where you're like, I never imagined that this could, this could have happened in my business. Is there anything that's really surprised you in a positive sense?
1: Um, I never thought I would have as many services as I did. When I first started, I was just like, yeah, people can book me for a day and I'll write their copy. That's kind of it. I never realized there was so much other scope for my work and like people would maybe want to do power hours and like sit and talk for an hour and I can explain what copyright is for them and how it can work in their business. I never thought people would want to do like online courses and be part of my fashion school. So it's kind of like blowing my mind pretty much every month with how my business is growing.
0: I love that. I love the fact that you've got these different services. Um, And do you find that the variety is really, really helpful for you? Do you enjoy having that variety in your business?
1: Definitely. Like when you work as a nine to five, as a copywriter, like you don't really ever have video calls or meetings with anyone. It's just kind of like they send you the product like images and then you write it and then you email it back. It's quite a solitary role. And it's just a lot of like in your head, writing and thinking. So it's really nice to have that like extra element of like talking and actually seeing other people and getting them excited about copy by talking about it.
0: That's awesome. And I know, so being a designer or in my design career, I've worked with a lot of copywriters before as kind of a partnership. Is that something that you find is kind of more prominent now? Do you tend to work with other industries and other trades around you and other freelancers?
1: So I don't have, um, like a partner or anything as yet, but that is something I would potentially like further down the line. Um, and someone has contacted me about that. So okay. TV, okay. <laughs> um, but no, I'm always interested in collaborations and doing stuff like that because I, yeah, copywriting is, can be quite lonely. So I'm always looking for new ways to like collaborate and create new, interesting things.
0: Awesome. And As an entrepreneur, because I think that loneliness is something a lot of people can relate to when it comes to just working for yourself. Um, I've got Sapphire coming onto the show soon to talk about loneliness as an entrepreneur, but for yourself, where the role you already know is quite a lonely one at times, what have you put in place to kind of make sure that your your emotional health and your self-care is kind of prioritized to make it more enjoyable?
1: Well, speaking of Sapphire, I am a member of the Coven and a few other um, like online co-working or women's groups. I'm not sure what you would call them. Another one is Babes on Waves and they do things like um, virtual co-working. So it's essentially just like you could have your camera on and we'll be sitting on our computers. But it's kind of like you're in the office because if you want to say something or you want to chat, you can do that. Um, Also, just setting boundaries of my time really helps as well with my mental health. Um, I used to kind of just work whenever my clients wanted me to which is obviously not the best thing for your mental health so now I don't like weekends and I try to have at least one day a week when I'm not doing any like writing stuff.
0: Perfect and do you find it fairly easy to establish that and make the time to work on your business as well or do you just kind of do that as and when?
1: I don't have like a set day for working on my business, but normally after I've had a meeting with my business coach, she'll give me like a list of tasks and she'll put it in a sauna. So it's kind of like I tick them off as I go when I have free time.
0: Oh, cool. That's helpful. It's really helpful. I think I think finding time to work on your business as well, um, particularly, so I was terrible with boundaries when I was starting and I found that I was spending, like you've said, like working towards my clients, to their timescales and their deadlines much more than my own. Um, And I found that having that time set aside was really helpful, but sometimes it felt like more of a hindrance as well. Yeah, definitely. Cool. So from when you started your business to how it is now, have you found that it's changed significantly? I know that you've mentioned that there are far more services that you have now than you ever thought, but are there any other elements that have taken you by surprise from what you had initially thought your business was going to look like?
1: Um, I have an onboarding process now, which is something I didn't even know was a thing. Uh, I just used to be like, yeah, answer the email. Like, sure, you can book me in for copywriting. What day? But now I have like a lovely calendar and there's like a form people fill in at the beginning. And then obviously like terms and conditions. So it's much more professional and automated in a lot of ways. So when people book in, everything's automated. They get some the emails. I don't have to do anything, which is lovely like I'll be shopping in Tesco and then I'll get an email to be like you've just like booked in this work with this like amazing like French beauty brand and I'll be like what so that's that's really great like I never get over that every time I get an email kind of like I feel like I've kind of won the lottery in a way I'm like oh somebody's booked me again but then my boyfriend's like well yes because that's your job
0: but it it never gets old I love it That's awesome. I love the excitement of getting those emails come through. It's like, you have a new call booked into your calendar. It's like, oh, this is so exciting. (laughs) So um, as a personal brand, how do you find that you, because we've talked quite a bit about boundaries in this, and I'm, I'm really curious how those boundaries have helped you establish the difference between kind of at home, Katie, and business, Katie, do you do you find that your work just kind of blends right the way through or do you actively try not to let that happen now?
1: Um my business coach, her name is Alice Benham. She always makes fun of me because she says that I am like the most strictly boundaryed person that she ever knows. So she's like, oh Katie and our boundaries. But um I'm quite like a fiercely private person anyway, just if you know me in real life. So I really tried to keep things separate it was a real push for me to like show my face on stories and like let people into parts of my life but I was like "Just, just show them your cats like just show them like what you're doing today so um I've really tried to open up but definitely like things like my boyfriend and my family I never want to like share them on camera or share like my bedroom
0: just with stuff like that I don't know Maybe I'm just a bit of a weirdo. Alice no, will probably I make don't. fun of me. I don't think you're a weirdo. So I have a lot of love for Alice as well. I think that she's <laughs> incredible. Um, but no, I totally understand where you're coming from with that. And I think that being a personal brand doesn't mean that you have to showcase completely everything. I think the most of my personal life that does get shared is probably my cats because like, they're just going to gonna be there anyway. And everyone loves cats. Exactly. And they're on brand. It's cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But no, I totally, I can completely relate. And it's really interesting because I see there are a few copywriters that I do tend to work with who I absolutely adore, but they are very open. And I think it's something about having, so the way that I view copywriters is that you have this wonderful magistrate around how you can control the words that you say and you can articulate articulate yourself in such detail and in position how you want to frame it. I stumble over my words all of the time because my brain doesn't, my mouth doesn't work quick enough to keep up with the thoughts that are coming through my brain. But whenever I speak to a copywriter, I always feel like they're able to present and articulate themselves in a really, um, together and thought provoking and emotionally connecting way. Um, But I do find that that does often come with a lot of bearing their souls and a lot of vulnerability. So it's really interesting that the boundaries are helping you to kind of find a way of doing the business in, in a way that feels right for you.
1: Yeah, like I'm definitely not like a bare my soul to anyone that will listen to person anyway. And I'd love to know who these copywriters are, because I think that's really interesting. But um, I feel like on the grid, for example, like when I'm writing a caption, I can really bare my soul. Not that that's really my brand, but like I can be really honest and blunt and like say how I feel and be funny because that's how I am in real life. Mm-hmm. But then like when you turn the camera on me... And I'm trying to, like, record a story. I'm like, oh, guys, I I did this. And I was like, maybe film it again. Like, maybe just smile. Like, maybe just relax, Katie. And I'm like, but I can't control. Like, I'm not an actor. I'm a copywriter. So... Videos are so much harder for me. But yeah, I need to know who these copywriters are who are bearing their souls. I need
0: to get some tips. <laughs> I will I will let you know after the show, <laughs> rather than putting anyone on the spot. Oh, no. <laughs> um, I just find it fascinating because it's not a way that I find easy to share. It's not something that I do. And I'm I'm the same as you. I think that even this podcast I'm still finding my feet because I think I'm hilarious. But as soon as there's like a camera or a recording device nearby, I'm just like suddenly super like more awkward than usual great yeah, definitely <laughs>
1: <laughs> well you're not awkward and it's been funny so far so yeah we're doing wow, good I think.
0: Awesome. now I've made it awkward um <laughs> <laughs> cool okay going back to you so you have a really striking colourful brand and I absolutely love it. So what was it that really inspired you to go down that really vibrant route? Is it? Do you feel that that's a good representation of you as a person?
1: Um, I think we're going to discover a theme here that I don't really put lots of Not thought, because I do think about things, but it's not super strategic. So, for example, my brand colours are bright green and then, like, not a pale pink, but, like, a more toned down pink and that's because when I was younger my mum painted our living room those two colours and they were absolutely hideous and me and my brother were so embarrassed to ever have anyone around we were like why have you picked these colours they look like sick they look disgusting and so when I was making like graphics on Canva I was like let me just try these two colours together I thought they actually looked quite cool and I saw that like green was becoming quite an on-trend colour again so I was like let's just go with this um and green was also like a lot of like rose gold and like pink and like copper tones or very minimal colour palettes were kind of all over Instagram at the time and I really wanted to do something completely different to anyone else I was like let's go with green. Brilliant
0: I love that (laughs) I love that stuff I mean it makes my brand designer soul a little bit, a little bit sad. But
1: <laughs> I am actually working on a rebrand at the moment with a designer because um, I did some market research and basically people were like, "What is your font about?" And I was like, it's "Just one I randomly picked on Canva." So now I've done some market research and the colours will be staying, but there will be new branding and new fonts that are much more fashion-led. Because yes, obviously you do actually need to put thought behind your branding.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but I think that that's great that it still goes to show that, and this is the key thing that I try and teach when, well, whenever I'm talking, this is where my soapbox comes out, (laughs) where your personal brand is focused around you. So all of your visual identity, yes, if you have strategy and if you have a coherent visual identity behind it, it will help bring everything together, but your personal brand is still about you and how you choose to work and your boundaries and your values. So I think that now you're at the stage where you're considering and you're going through the rebranding process. You're already established as a brand because it's you.
1: Yeah. And it, it's it's always going to be pink and green. I just feel like I can't ever let that go. But yeah, I think it's just kind of like refining things and maybe tweaking it and yeah, thinking more about like, this is me, but also this has to be for others. Whereas at the beginning, I think I just kind of was like, this is what I enjoy looking at.
0: No, I think that that's fine though. And I still feel that if you are, if you're good at what you do and if you're putting yourself out there, then the people are going to come to you. There is a certain amount where you do need to make sure that you're marketing in the right channels. But effectively, if you're good at what you do and you're enjoying it, People will find you because it'll be recommendations, it'll be referrals, it'll be stumbling across your very vibrant website and then going from there. <laughs> I'd love it. I just did I just,
1: you go um, on it and like seriously judge me and be like, who is this person
0: coming on the podcast? Look at this awful pink green website. Look at that. Blog. No, I looked at it, I, it was just it wasn't what I was expecting. And I think that that was quite refreshing because. There's a, it's really difficult because when it comes to a visual identity, I love the clean stripped out looks because they're easy to read, but it doesn't mean that they stand out. But when it comes to um the more vibrant colours or the vibrant brands that have something unique about them. So the coven is a fantastic brand and I recognize them because of the way that they've embraced kind of the tattoo style and the pink mm. making it girly. Or there are other brands I'm trying to think of another one off the top of my head and it's just really difficult. <laughs> but oh, there are no. that really stand out because they are different and you know, I only needed to visit your website once to know exactly what I was going to be looking at every time I go back there. <laughs> it wasn't one of those. Oh, what? What was her site again? I can't quite remember. It's like no pink and green. I remember that one. <laughs> if nothing else, it's very memorable. <laughs> Absolutely, it's brilliant. Um, cool. So I would be interested to see how you kind of re how that gets reborn, almost into the Watch next this
1: space twenty twenty one.
0: Yeah, looking forward to that. So when it comes to your brand, so we've talked about your visual identity, but have you found that there's anything else? I mean, you've talked about how you've kind of just, I want to say wong it. Is that right? Yeah, um, Sure. sure. (laughs) It sounds a bit wrong, doesn't it? It does. Winged it? We talked about how you just kind of found your way through with it. So... When it comes to things like the strategy behind your brand, um, did you have kind of ideals that you wanted to put forward or was it just, I want to be a copywriter, I want to be myself and I want to focus on working with fashion brands or did you look a little bit deeper into this is the kind of values that I want to have as a brand, this is kind of where I'm looking to take my brand in the future or has it just been enjoying the ride? It's kind of been a mix of both. I think in terms of like what my brand values are or what
1: I stand for, they're kind of just very similar to what I stand for in real life. So I never want to do something that's already been done or do things that other people are doing. Like I find it so boring. Like I was doing memes on like Instagram for a while and then everyone was doing memes. I was like, I'm not doing that anymore. And then people do those images where it's like a picture of like an animal and they annotate it with like three... Three hours of podcasts, like lemon water, blah, blah, blah. Don't like that. I just want to always be different, as we can tell from the brand colours. I always want to stand out, be doing something unique, but also just be giving people value. I think there are far too many people on Instagram and on the internet that are trying to sell people stuff that isn't really very good, isn't really giving them any value and looks the same as everything else. So I just really want to be unique in everything I do.
0: Yeah, I love that. And when it comes to um, because when it comes to creating your own content and your own copy, do you find that that's still something that is fun and enjoyable for you? Because, I mean, from my experience, I know that trying to brand and design for myself can be quite hard. And I was wondering whether, as a copywriter, do you come across the same sort of blockers when you're trying to create for your own business?
1: I think it depends. So like, I love writing Instagram captions because it's basically, even though it's not me talking about my personal life, it's kind of like writing a diary because my followers just want to hear my actual voice. So it's quite easy to do. But then when it comes to, at the minute, I've been trying to create a press kit for myself. So you kind of have to talk like in the third person and talk about your accomplishments and stuff. And that is like so painstakingly cringe. (laughs)
0: I can imagine that it's really difficult like I struggle to talk about myself when it's having to put on that formal thing exactly what you said it's like if it's just talking about my day or talking about what I'm doing and the passion and the work that I'm doing it's kind of easy because it's talking from my natural tone of voice Mm -hmm. Um, but when it does come to trying to have that next level of people need to read this from a professional context as opposed to an individual context. So yeah,
1: if you're trying to impress somebody like with with a press kit, you're basically trying to be like, I'm amazing. Like, look at me. I'm better than all these other copywriters. So I like, I teach how to write about pages. Mm -hmm. and I'm always like, you've got so many amazing achievements. You need to shout about them, but it's so
0: hard to do. Is there anything that you do and any um, are there any tips that you could give to listeners when they are struggling to write about themselves and their achievements? Is there just maybe one thing that you would recommend to help them write about themselves better?
1: I would ask a family member or a friend to basically describe you and your business, because they will probably mention or bring up something that you weren't even expecting. Like I had um, somebody in my copy school and I was like, okay, just tell me a little bit about yourself. And I looked on her website and I was like, oh, so one of the first items that you ever designed was worn by Kate Nash, the singer. And she was like, yeah, but like, I'm like, well, that's a massive thing that needs to go on the about page. And she was like, oh, really? I'm like, yes. Sometimes it just takes somebody like outside of your own brain to be like, hello, you're amazing.
0: Brilliant. No, I completely agree with that. And I, I highly recommend having someone that, you know, and trust as well. I think that that's important because it's really difficult not only to write about our own achievements, but sometimes we can be quite um, self-deprecating when it comes to acknowledging our own. So you need to make sure that it's coming from someone that you you absolutely trust. So that's a brilliant tip. Thank you.
1: Yeah, definitely. Like I wouldn't get my like little brother to be like, he'll be like, oh, you work about clothes all day. Like he's not going to be very helpful. <laughs> but yeah, maybe like a business coach or like, somebody like that works in a similar industry to you they'll definitely be able to point out what you're really good at
0: absolutely I love having a business coach I think that having a business coach is one of the things where it just makes everything feel like more feasible almost does that make I sense feel,
1: I feel like I'm a business coach pusher Like I'm always trying to push people to get a business coach. Obviously, there's a lot of controversy about business coaches and like coaching in general at the moment. But I think when you find the right person for you, it's amazing.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think and I feel like it's almost like I feel like it's almost the next step for a lot of businesses where we move into teaching. So you've moved into having your courses in your copy school And it's something that I'm incorporating in my business as well, but I feel like you can always learn from someone else. So yeah, I'm the same as you. It's like, I feel like everyone can benefit from having a coach that is right for them to really push their business in the direction they want. 100%. Cool. So if there was one piece of key advice that you'd love to share from kind of your business journey that you would like to share with the listeners, what would that be?
1: I think, like, if you're trying to work out your services or you just don't really know where you want your business to go or you're just feeling a bit stuck and stagnant, one thing that my friend Leah at the Fashion Cultivator recommended is to write a list. So you put a list of all the tasks that you love doing, the ones that you don't mind doing, and then the ones that you hate. So the ones that you hate doing, maybe it's, like, invoices and blog writing, you outsource your invoices And then you don't offer the blog writing service anymore. It sounds really simple, but there's no point offering a service if you don't enjoy it because it's your business and you can make the rules. Then the things you really love doing at the top of your list, try and do more of them. If you really love doing power hours and talking to people about copywriting, maybe try and do more public speaking or maybe slot more power hours into the diary and less like one-day bookings, for example. sounds really simple, but it kind of blew my mind and really helped me to create a business
0: that I really love. Yeah, I love that. I think that that's a fantastic way of approaching it because it's almost putting it down as facts. It's quite objective. So you can really build your business and focus on the things that you love to do. And like you said, then you can identify the areas that you want to outsource. So you are literally building the business that you want to turn up for every day. Um, And I think that'd be a really valuable exercise for every business owner to do at every stage because, you find that as time goes on, certain projects that used to be your bread and butter that you really enjoyed maybe don't quite light you up in the same way anymore as you develop and grow. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing that. So I just want to say thank you so, so much for joining me today and sharing all of your insights. I found it really refreshing to find that there are other people out there who just kind of go with the flow to see how the business goes until they find their feet. And I think that it's, you know, it speaks volumes of your talent in the fact that your business has been successful and been able to thrive when you've been out traveling, when you've been finding your own way. And now that you're taking that next step up. So I really appreciate you sharing all that with us today, Katie. Thank you so much. What a lovely, like, little monologue about how great I am. (laughs) You're welcome. It will be available for you to listen to whenever you need it. Over and over. (laughs) So, where can the listeners find more about you online?
1: Okay, self promo time. You can find me on my garish pink and green website at www.katiramsing.com. My surname is Ram Singh, like a singing ram. So, R A M S I N G H. You can also follow me on Instagram, which is just at Katie Ramsing, and if you're feeling very professional and business-like, you can also find me on LinkedIn.
0: Perfect. So I will be putting all of the links into the show notes, so the listeners can easily find you and enjoy the delights of your website. Um, and listeners if you tune in next week I'll be sharing some tips on how to market your brand your way so hit that subscribe button to be notified and if you enjoyed the show please do leave a five-star review because it really helps the podcast grow and until then I'd love to hear your thoughts on this conversation and whether you're a planner or whether you wing it so head on over to Instagram and Facebook for our community where we can continue the conversation in the brand lounge